This is Michael Thomas, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and today we have a very, very special guest. His name is Mike Sando. You can find him on Twitter at SandoNFL. He was uh, most recently, he's been at The Athletic, where he's been for the last two years as a senior writer covering the NFL nationally. Before that, you probably know him very well from his coverage of the Seattle Seahawks, NFC West, and also as a national writer. On ESPN, uh, ESPN.com, what ESPN Insider, E Plus, and you, you you probably even saw him like on Sports Center and stuff doing hits like that. Mike, what's going on, brother? Hey, it's good to be here. I even go back longer than that. I was nine years as a Seahawks beat reporter before that, locally in the in the Seattle area. So uh, yeah, I've been covering NFL a long time. Good to be here. Man, this just uh, interesting times right now. We would be at the combine, right? We would be at the combine right now. It makes you feel a little sick, huh? It's weird. Uh, it's very weird, uh, you know, and it's such a privilege to have a job where you, you cover sports, right? So for me, I've been going to Super Bowls for years. I didn't go this year. Uh, that was weird. I actually watched the Super Bowl with my family, which I didn't have a family the last time <laughs> I didn't go to a Super Bowl. And then the Combine, you're right. Combine, the league meetings will be coming up. All those things that are kind of staples on the calendar. And who knows how much they'll all come back, right? I think people have learned to operate in this Zoom world a little bit. Well, I wanted to ask you about that at some point. Let me just ask yeah. you about that because um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm worried. This would have been my 10th combine. Thankfully, the senior bowl, uh, the senior bowl was able to let us you know, let us come cover that. But, man, it was like, Mike, you would never – it was like one-sixteenth of the regular media presence there. People just decided not to go. Um, do you think this year, this COVID year – and I think about it. I, I, I know you're involved with the PFWA and stuff like that. Um, do you, do you think that this is going to kind of swindle people out out of the ability to like have this those in person in season uh, access that we've become used to? Because here's my worry: it's that these Zoom availabilities. I mean, it's fine. Thank God we had an NFL season. I mean, to just thank God for that. I'm happy we we did. I'm happy we figured out a way to do it. But man, it feels like things are kind of on their way back to normal. Uh, we're going to need to get back to normal at some point. And I just, no offense to any of these local beat writers, the coverage is not as good whenever they can't be there around the team. They don't have the little nuanced ideas about things. They don't see these guys um, in practice or they're able to pick up on, you know, just pick up on things being around, right? Like yeah. uh, it's something I picked up on that was just a little bit, you know, a little bit lacking this year in as far as coverage. Yeah. But it seems like probably from the team side, they probably love it because they don't have to have the reporters around. They don't have to have the headache. How do you think that it's going to go down? And do you think the PFWA is going to uh, have to have any, not fights in store, but any kind of defense in store? To 
Yeah, I mean, the Pro Football Writers of America, we are in contact with the league all the time, and I think we want to have the right balance. Uh, I feel like the league has unfortunately been heading this direction a long time. When I first started covering 20-plus years ago, we really had a lot of free reign in the locker room. And if you wanted to go talk to somebody that wasn't scheduled to speak, you could do that. You could build a relationship with the starting quarterback by, you know, not hounding him every day, but you could be at his locker periodically, right? You could maybe have a conversation where you're just talking about his family, and it might just be you and him. And as time has gone on, um, the access to people who play and coach in the NFL has become formalized to the point where now if you're in front of somebody's locker, there's going to be five guys with a radio microphone in there. There's going to, The team website's going to be filming it. It might be streaming live. <laughs> right. Every press conference is streaming live now, right? So mm-hmm. we've already lost some of what I think made um, the coverage uh, – the potential for the coverage to be better. Now, coverage has improved in other ways, right? We, we have access to data and film in some cases. There's mm-hmm. more people who really understand the game covering it, right? So there's ways that it's improved. I think what we have to get uh, is get back what we had before that was good. And then if some of these other ways to access through Zoom are better, for example, um Let's just say the, the team signs a player this offseason. Well, they may not have called everybody together to talk about it, but what about a quick Zoom now? You know what I mean? What if, right, what if we can right. get the GM? We may be able to add some access that we didn't get before because that's just so easy. You don't have to call a press conference. You don't have to have everybody come in. We could just all do it. Even if you're on vacation, you could do it, right? If you're the right. reporter and it's sure. June and something happens, you could do it. So that's what I kind of hope for is just let's just be – smart and logical about it and then not not lose the access that helps us do a great job well i just i i, I think about it and in the like um i just think about my friends that cover say like i'm down here in austin so there's no pro team but i have friends that cover the texas longhorns right um who go in for availabilities and who, like and like a lot of us man who, who are observers or kind of cover the program or stuff like that we we live kind of out out by the lake or in a suburban sure. area that's farther away it's kind of tough man to get into the city at the like it for the practices at 5 p.m during rush hour i think sometimes maybe a lot of these reporters a lot of these reporters might actually kind of like it that they don't that, that they don't like it's a lot of these city centers are expensive to live in. You got to live a little bit outside of them, especially if you got kids. You want to have a little bit of room. Maybe you live in a suburban community. It's like some of these commutes into, into these stadiums and stuff for, for these availabilities are like an hour. So I can understand how it could be convenient from the media side, too. It just feels like, man, not it just feels like people have a better grip on what's going on with the team when they're actually there around the guys. The more, yeah, I agree, and I want that access. The more that uh, that access is limited than, than the better off the really good reporters going to be who can get around it because of the relationships they have, the trust they've built, their ability uh-huh. to call people to figure out what's really going on. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, if I was a 15-year beat reporter on a team, I'm going to be good either way. Like like for me this off season, I have so many people that I know in the league over 20 years that, like, I did my job as normal. You know, I can just call people. If you're totally <laughs> reliant on the team to set up every interaction you have, good luck right then you're really reliant on exactly how that is and how much you can be around and all of that so i hope we get people able to be at the facility which i think we will and able to have some uh ability in the locker room to cultivate relationships and trust that's really important it's important for the team and the players too because if everyone's writing and pontificating and going on the radio without having relationships with the people that they are talking about and covering, then there's no accountability, right? 
if I'm gonna if I'm gonna criticize the starting receiver, and then I have to be around him tomorrow in the locker room, change right. the dynamic now, right? <laughs> if you had to walk yeah. into that locker room after you wrote something that somebody doesn't like, there's an accountability there. If you're just some guy in suburbia writing, and you, that guy's never going to even meet you, except that you're going to be on a Zoom occasionally. Is that a good relation? Is that a good thing for him? You know, so I think this works both ways. Yeah, no, th- yeah, that that all makes perfect sense. And my hopes, like selfishly, like a lot of what we do is getting out to, getting out to training camps and being able to get an eye on these guys and stuff like that. So I'm just, I'm really, really crossing my fingers that as we approach this 2021 season, we get back to just a little bit, little bit more, in, more in-person access. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that we will at least to yeah. some, I mean, th- nothing could be less than this last year because last year was, yeah. was, was basically zero um, except for Tampa Bay and Jacksonville. They, they, they let us in for just short, 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 short periods. Um, all right. Uh, so speaking of Jacksonville, that's AFC South. Um, I'm trying to segue here to Deshaun Watson that I wanted to talk talk yeah. with you about. Um, you're like you mentioned, man. You've been doing this a long time. You're super plugged in. I've noticed that on at the Athletic, you've co-wrote a few pieces, uh, sort of detailing this saga. Can you just maybe walk people through how the hell we've gotten here? Yeah. yeah. Um, no doubt here at the finish line of where this, where we are now, where, where Watson is estranged from the team and clearly wants to be traded. The two most important factors for that are the state of the team. They're, they're terrible. Even though he played well, they couldn't win. And then this hiring cycle where he obviously thought that he was going to be more involved in, in just the spirit of that would be handled in a way that was uh, respectful of him, and he felt like that didn't happen. So those two are those two things are huge trigger points. I think those variables are probably the most important. But I do think you have to zoom out and just look at you know where the Texans are at from you know their owner dying. Right, they had an owner who was pretty powerful. Like him or not, some of the things he said were pretty crass. Uh, play, yep. remember players prison and asylum and all that stuff. Yeah. But but he was a seasoned owner of the team, and there was some stability there. So. He dies. The son takes over. Now you've got someone who really hasn't done this before, right? And sure. they knew they wanted a better culture, right? I mean, uh, Bill O'Brien, um, say what you want about him, but it was not always didn't seem as fun for everybody to come into the building, right? So they they wanted to fix that, right? So so Jack Easterby was kind of brought in to do that, right? I mean, he he's somebody who had uh, been in a successful culture and had been lauded in New England for his ability to promote a good culture. So they were going to bring him in, and they tried to bring in Casario, Nick Casario, and they didn't get Casario. So now you got a little bit of a problem, and they promoted Easterby into roles that he shouldn't be in. They promote O'Brien to GM, um, and they make some really questionable moves, and they don't do a great job of explaining it. They lose. They fire O'Brien. Now, at about that time, they did re-sign Deshaun Watson, right? So he got a good contract. It wasn't like that was all fatal and enough to make him not want to be there. Um, but now that he's been paid and they've continued to sort of they, they continue to lose, the situation was handled poorly, now he's almost kind of empowered, right? Because he got that no-trade clause. And I think you get a certain point here too where okay like if the team's not holding up their end and I'm a player and I'm not just a player I'm Deshaun Watson I'm a top five quarterback who's got to play for 10 or 15 more years um, I want to say in how things are done and if not I want to say in where I play so there's a little bit of a vulnerability with the team that maybe he is in a position to test he may not be doing it if if he felt like everything was going well but he kind of feels like hey wait a minute we were going to do a, B, and C, and now you're doing D, E, and F, 
you're kind of doubling down a little bit of the New England culture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those things coming together now have got us here. And now we still don't know how serious it is, right? I mean, there's no way for him to prove that. He's not going to, like, lose money if he holds out next week or something, right? So that becomes a really interesting part. Like, what happens next? Because there's no way to know if Deshaun Watson's truly serious until the season. Are you going to wait that long? How, well, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what the hell I would do, and I don't, I don't know what the hell the Texans are going to do. How can you yeah. – how can you – how can you – how can you handicap what this cockamamie group of idiots has done? It's like it really is, really is bad. Um, it, yeah, but, uh, but Easterby, but but uh, Casario's not an idiot. I mean, Casario's a, uh, is known as a really good football guy, so he doesn't have to come in and do anything in that. But Casario is, but but Casario has come, Casario has come in at a point wherever it's almost. Yeah. He's 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 not to blame for what it's for what has happened for what has happened before. East, Easterby seems like he's. I don't. I don't know what good this guy is. I'm. I'm not sure what good this guy well, is. I, yeah. Well, O'Brien was getting blamed for everything, and then they fired him, and then Easterby is getting blamed for everything, and and who knows what's going to happen with Casario? But I think a lot of it go, has to go back to ownership, you know, um, and how these things are handled. And is there a trust? Right? Is there is there equity built up? Is there, is Deshaun Watson going to trust the people that are there in charge? Would he Would he trust Cal? I mean, maybe to some degree, but there's not a huge history there. Would he trust Easterby? It doesn't seem to. Is he going to trust Casario? Well, they just they haven't even met, right? So, where do you get the trust and the credibility that you need to navigate a situation like this? Right, right. But I'm I'm just I'm I'm just saying, man. I think that for the reason they brought in Easterby, if he is this relationship guy, if he is this culture's guy, if he is this dude that you know is the is the spiritual force in the locker room that unites the players, um, gets them aligned with the rest of the you know sort of a conduit to the rest of the organization. He's he's not clearly he hasn't done a good job with that in Houston because there's a clear disconnect for whatever reason, for whatever side that's on, he's supposed to be the conduit that that makes sure that that doesn't happen. So it feels, it feels like he's been a bit of a failure and it's, it's good to, it's good to, um, it, it's, I just, I think it's probably important to point out that that doesn't have to do with Casario, but what does have to do with Casario is what about, um, I mean, you. What's your What's your podcast? Uh, you have a new podcast. It, it's a great yeah. one, man. Uh, we, yeah, the football we should, GM. We yeah. should plug that. Yeah, the yeah. football GM. Uh, who's the Who's the ex GM? This one. I've only listened once. Yeah. Whenever. Yeah, we got we got me and Randy Mueller. So Randy, Randy Mueller's Mueller. a two time general manager. He's been executive of the year, and I go back to him when I covered the Seahawks in the nineties. He was there um, as sort of de facto GM of the team. In fact. He traded Rick Meyer for the 11th pick in the draft. So if you've done that, you must be pretty good at what you're doing. He traded Rick Meyer for 11th pick in the draft. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. But, but so have, have you ever asked him on the pod or just when you guys are talking or something? Like, how do you handle this if you're him? Like, is, is, is there a conversation to be yeah. had? And have, have, have you asked him about that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's going to take more of a traditional management line on it of like, look, the guy's got time left on his deal. He'll show up when he wants to get paid. Where else is he going to play, right? We, we can't let, uh, you know, players just decide when, they, when they're under contract that they're going to leave or go play. So I think he would be inclined to wait him out and just be silent. Not, you don't have to say much about it. You'd be respectful of Deshaun Watson. Um, you say the right things. You mean them. But you don't just start entertaining trade offers because he says it, right? You're trying – Serio's got – what, did he get a six-year contract? I think it was yeah. Well, was it five or six? Five or six. He's got a long contract for a lot of money, right? So, 
Um, he's in position to wait. You know, there's he doesn't have to. He's not going to lose his job next week. Shoot, they haven't even fired Easterby. You would think they would have done that under this pressure, right? With everything that's been written oh, and all yeah. the people that are obviously a lot of people who have left the building or been affected by Easterby haven't been afraid behind the scenes to fuel stories about him, right? Right. Um, and so the the owner has weathered that. He hasn't buckled on that. So if you're Casario and you've got time, you may want Deshaun Watson there long term and think that long term you can figure this out. He may be upset now. But as long as you are completely professional to him and try, and show yourself to be building the team in the right way, what's he going to do? Retire? <laughs> well, you no. <know. laughs> and I and I and, and I know you don't have a crystal ball or anything, man. But yeah. do you have any, do you have any like you followed this closely? Do you have any gut feeling about what's going to yeah. happen? Well, they have. I feel like that they'll wait them wait for it a while, and and really, you only have to go on you know what you've seen. They haven't. Budge. They haven't said they're going to entertain. They've shut it down at every turn, right? So there's no evidence that they're going to suddenly turn around and trade him. Um, and in the absence of some way for something to change, there's really nothing that's going to change other than you know draft and all that people may offer. Um, I would think they'd wait. That's just what that's what I think they'll do. I think we'll get into June, July, August before we have a better feel. And then. But they wait. Do you think if they wait, do you think then Deshaun Watson holds out? Um, yeah, I, I do. I, I don't know how long he would go into the season, but he could go into the season, right? And that's why he can, you know, he, he really could probably force his way out to a team if he's willing to do that. Not everyone's willing to miss games and have to pay back bonuses and lose money, right? Um, so if he's willing to do that, then the team knows, right? But I don't think the team can really know right now how it's going to go it would take a bounty to get that guy i think it would take a bounty <laughs> to get i, I don't even I, I, I don't even know where you start as far as trade offerings for a guy like a guy like deshaun watson everything just feels like it's just pie in the sky you just you need a quarterback good. trading them you need, yeah. you need a, if i'm any one of these teams that's trading one of the top quarterbacks then i want a quarterback back right we can't just be terrible at quarterback right so um, if you feel like the number one or number two pick gets you that, or if you feel like, hey, we want a guy who's an established starter back, you know, I think that has to be a part of it for these teams. You know, you can't just you can't trade Deshaun Watson and can you trade Deshaun Watson and have Derek Carr as your guy? Or you know what I mean? It just feels mm-hmm. like you need you need something that re- could be really good for yourself. You need a big you, you need a you need a quarterback and a big grip of ones. I think, man. Um, all right. Speaking of speaking of first round picks, would you say with the quarterback situation right now, um, with the fr- with uh, free agency and and everything else getting ready to open up, what about Sam Darnold? Uh, what do you think it would t- What do you think it would take to do? Th- I just I, I saw this on Twitter, um, kind of trending yesterday. People asking if he's worth a first round pick. Do you yeah. do, do you have an opinion on that? Um. I wouldn't think so, you know. And it wouldn't shock you because he was evaluated as a first-round pick, right? So that evaluation of the player coming out of college holds for a lot of these guys. So it, it wouldn't shock you. I just think, um, aren't they going to draft a guy? Aren't they going to draft a quarterback? Once that happens, what's Sam Darnold worth, right? I mean, does his worth stay high? So um, yeah. I would think that's the direction they're going to go. And if I were a team... There's no way if I were a team I'd be going all in on Sam Darnold. I would be sort of waiting to see what the price is, and there's other options that might be just as good. You you you, you hear teams – yeah, I think that makes sense because you hear them talked about with teams like, you know, the Saints and, you know, teams like that that have a, bu- 
other kind of bad options, but you know, t- could it really hurt to take a stab on the on a, yeah. on a player? Like if you that? liked him coming out, if you have a coach or somebody who really liked him coming out, then that changes things, right? It's sort of like, okay, what is you know Carson Wentz worth? Well, he's worth more to Frank Reich, right? Because he he likes him, he's been with him. Other people may not like him nearly as much, right? So Darnold had people evaluating him well coming out, and if you can convince yourself that he's been mishandled there, they've had terrible personnel, you know, those are all easy cases to make. They're the only team in the last five years that hasn't had a Pro Bowl player on offense is know, that, in the whole it, league. Is that true? Is that yeah. true? I've never heard that. Yeah, I mean, I was You think back, you think back, and you're just like, yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no one on their team. So do you think that affects the play of Sam Darnold? I do. You know, if you put Sam Darnold in a really good situation, um, you know, would he be a decent quarterback? He might. You know, maybe you could win with him. But I don't know how many guys could win with the way the Jets have been set up. Do you do you personally believe in Sam Darnold still? Um, I would like to. I, I would love to have him on my team as an option. I would hate to have him as the option. As the right? option, you know, right, right. You know, right. I would love to have him as part of the mix, especially if I had a coach who really liked him. But I don't know how you can be. You know how you could be going all in on them right now, based on what we've seen. All right, just a couple more hot quarterback topics here for you, uh, real quick, Mike. Um, what about what about Jalen Hurts? Uh, Carson Wentz gets traded. Carson Wentz gets traded away. I, I'd been think I've I've been tweeting and thinking that that would be a neat re um, reunification, I guess, with Frank Reich for a long time I think that that's kind of cool over on on that side I think Carson Wentz could be set up for a little bit of a comeback here I think that if he doesn't come if he doesn't if he doesn't do it now I think that we're probably we're probably not going to see it but what about what's left in Philadelphia is this is is it Jalen Hurts or bust for Howie Roseman is that how you see this no I think they've got to have another option that's nothing against Jalen Hurts I mean he did as well as he could in a really difficult situation late in the year I just don't know how, as an organization, you um, just go all in on that. Especially you've got a new coach there who hasn't worked with Jalen Hurts, right? I mean, it's a very small sample size. Um, so oh, I would yeah, it's want four games, right? We're yeah, it's four, four games. Yeah, so yeah. any second round pick, it wasn't like he was some exalted guy. So um, I would, I think they definitely have to have another option. I think a quarterback at six is in play for them for sure. Oh, um, so you th- everybody's mocking them. Just a, the what the you know basically the. If if Miami doesn't go wide receiver, basically, you know, it feels like all the mod drafts right now have Philly going wide. Do you think Philly's wide open? They're at six for could, as far as consider. I, I think they could consider one. I mean, it depends who's there, um, and it depends what their evaluation is of the guys coming out. That's a huge mm-hmm. part of it, right? Uh, right. They they. I mean, shoot, they evaluated Wentz as really good right that year. Yeah. So if they have somebody that they like that much, and you figure, hey, we're not going to be up here hopefully this high. How often do people pick in the top six, right? Usually not, unless it's just a team that's terrible every year, not that often. So uh, it could be smart for them to, to consider it, right, if they really like somebody. We just don't know if they if they do or will at this point. They may not know at this point. They're probably still evaluating it and having those discussions. I'm just, I, was just, uh, I was just thinking about it because I remember Howie Roseman saying that when, at the time of the 2016 NFL draft, that whenever they, uh, whenever they made, when whenever they went to get Carson Wentz, they said they had not only evaluated this year's class, but their scouting department had also evaluated next year's class, and they'd come to the conclusion that he was among the best, even of that class. And then that's just that's just really bad looking back because I'm looking at the 2017 draft, and I'm reminded about. 
Patrick Mahomes and the, the aforementioned Deshaun Watson and all the all, all the rest of these other guys, man. It's um, that, you know, that's a that's a that's a tough scene. That they, they, I think he. Do you think he's got? Do you think he's got a lot of wiggle room, man? Do you, do, do you think he's got a lot of a, a lot, like a lot of leash, like a, a, a lot of rope there with that job? It feels like he's made some kind of bad decisions. Oh, you mean Howie Roseman? Yeah, Roseman. Yeah, he's got a great relationship with the owner Jeff Lurie. So and that's, and that's just all, that's what you need to have. And that you know he has Lurie's trust to do it, and he he helped put together a team that won the Super Bowl in the last five years. So um, you know, I think we've we've gotten our answer um, to some degree on what he thinks about him. You know, I think they were in a weird situation, right, where. They drafted Carson Wentz. They loved him, but then he got hurt, and they won the Super Bowl with someone else. Yeah, that is a hard thing. It's weird. I always felt. I always felt that's a weird thing. It just it was just never really right. And and you know you for them they would take that. It was worth it to win the Super Bowl. But I always felt like it just made it weird for Carson Wentz and to ever be his team. Just think about that. You know, it's I don't know what the what the comparison is, but it's just. It just never felt like he could overcome that, right? The best he could do was tie it. The best he could do is win a Super Bowl, right? And so oh, yeah. I feel like this has just been a weird situation. And by the end, he didn't really want to be there. And I think that's a big component in why they made the trade, right? It just got sour enough, and he didn't want to do it. And Philly's a tough place to play. And maybe he could never overcome the fact that they won a Super Bowl, but he, never, but he didn't really want it. He, he got a ring, but he didn't really do it. And uh, I always thought that was a factor in just what the future was going to be. He was going to have to play really well, and he didn't, and they fell apart around him, and here we are. What about what about the rookies from this? What about the rookies from this past year? What did you take away from uh, what we saw out of Tua Tungavailoa? And do you think, looking back, that the Dolphins just have to? Do you think the Dolphins just have to feel like they they should have drafted Justin Herbert? I do. I think they have to feel that, you know. And I, I remember <laughs> coming into the draft, though people, you know, weren't sure on Herbert. So no. and for him, right? Yeah. I mean, he showed a lot, and maybe the evaluation process is flawed. I think it clearly is, but that doesn't mean the rest of us had it right either, you know. Um, right. <laughs> so yeah, certainly after a year, you'd have to think uh, Justin Herbert is would be your choice over uh, him, over, over Tua. Yeah, I think they, anybody would do that right now. <laughs> 